This episode of Urudua, James Webster is joined by Ringatoi Tamihana Katini. Nongati Tuarakatira, Nongati Tama, Nongati Kwata, Motetau, Hongati Fatsu. In this episode, they explore Tamihana's love for Te Ao Māori and how he approaches his Tangaporo practice. With a deep love for Te Reo Meonatikanga, Tamihana shares his journey in searching for traditional mediums for the transmission of Tupuna Kōrero and how this has shaped his path in ensuring that the kaupapa of Taonga Puoro is carried to Atamariki Mukupuna through the traditional practices of haka, motetea and karakia. Nō reira i te iwi, Fagalora Te kārango te manu e fio fio nei, ko te ngere o te nguru e nguru mai nei. Ke te kete ana te kākakuku, ana te kereru titi, ana te tīra e raka. Tīahu aki ana i te ataha para māwhiti mai rā, ko tamanui tērā. Kia uhi wero, tau mai te oro mauri. Uie, huie, tāiki e. Ako tēnei, e hui hui tātou, e haumanu. E mihi atu ki a koutou katoa, ngā hunga i whakarongo mai nei ki wenei on podcast me ki. <laughs> ki te noho noho nei, ki te kōrero atu ki a Tamiana Katane. So, nei rā ka mihi atu ki a koe e hoa. Kia ora, tēnā koe. Ngāti tō rangatira. Kia mihi ake ki a koutou, o kia koe. E ki te tau mai ki a whakawātia i tō wātaka. Kia tatu mai ki te kōrero taua i pāna i tēnei o ngā kaupapa manawa mā taua. Ano e tahi o tātou e, e whakarongo mai nei ki wenei o ngā kōrero ka kōrero hia. Uh, wenei o ngā mahi o ngā taonga pūoro, te ao pūoro. Uh, so koe nei, nau mai, hara mai tau mai ki te, ki te kōrero rero tia i pāna i tēnei kaupapa e manawa nui mā taua. So koe nei, yeah, e mihi ake... 
Tēnei pēr, ka tīmata, ina, ko wai koe, no he koe, he ato aronga ki tēnei o nga mahi ngā taonga pūro, he manawa uh, mau. Tēnā, tēnā koe, ko tira tēnā tātau, uh, tēnā, tēnā hoki uh, ki te, te tindingirongiro e whakarongo ana uh, ki tēnei huhupe, <laughs> e rere ana ku whakaaro i nei wātoni nei, ko tāmihana kātine tōku ingoa, uh, huri tēnei o te tau huu ko ngā tifātsua, uh, ko Ngāti Tama, ko Ngāti Koata, ko Ngāti Tuarangatira. Uh, I hoia mai oku tūpuna, maru ngā waka e rua ko māhuhu ki te rangi, mai Hawaiki ki te awa kaipara, uh, me te waka nui a tainui. Uh, no hoa i oku tūpuna i raro i ngā taumarumoro o ngā maunga e rua, uh, ko rangituhi ki te tonga, ko, fiti, uh, ko toka toka ki te raki. Uh, no reira tenei, tenei mihia tuana, uh, kea koe kei taku hoa, uh, tenei mihia tuana, tenei mihia tuana. Kia ora. Yeah, Tamagoe bro. <laughs> so the, um, I started my journey in Tangapuro uh, maybe about 15, oh, it's going on 18 or so years ago now. When I was started, I was actually learning to play the yidaki, the, the, the didgeridoo. Um, and I, was, I got fascinated with the circular breathing, the tangata mui mui ya, and the way that they, they played and that they controlled their breath, and that really fascinated me. So I was learning how to play that. And that's when I, when I, was, I was learning circular breathing, circular breathing. And then I was like, oh, man, I wonder if Māori have any kind of instruments you know, with quotation marks um, like this. And then that was that was the start of it. You know, started from that little drop of, hmm, I wonder. And then moving on from there, I think I heard I heard snippets from Te Kūtefe, from Papa Hirini, when Papa Hirini were playing. I heard the, I heard the oro. And I just absolutely got obsessed with that oro, that feeling when I when I heard that sound and I felt that vibration, and that's what I started searching for. Um, you know, as you know, bro, you start <laughs> you find something that sparks your interest, and down the rabbit hole yep. you go. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so that was I, back when I started. I was I was was not a carver, and you know, didn't have any tango puro. The only 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 puro that I had was a Pacific Trident conch shell. There was has a hole in the side like the you know, from from our Fanango over in the the Monanuyakiwa, and that's the only thing I knew about it. And then slowly obsession set in and <laughs> down the rabbit hole, right? Down the rabbit hole. Yeah, down the rabbit. hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've known you for a little while now. Uh, I can't remember. I think the first time we met was Honga Weka Marai uh, many moons ago. Mm. There was uh, we were running a uh, Tonga Pūra Wānanga down there with the Papa. And I think you, uh, mm, if my memory right, serves yeah. me right, you were part of the Fakairo Ropu at um, the Polytech down there, and you just came in to have a look at Tongapuru. Mm. And um, yeah, yes, yes, we're very fascinated. <laughs> we were doing <laughs> pukaya and um, doing hue, and yeah, just smorgasbord of Tongapuru Kopapa, mm. and sort of gotten to know you over the years, and yeah, and we're all part of um, the Homanu Collective now, so yeah. Yeah, I just, just, just want to meet you to my bro Warren, you know, because I started the journey by myself, really, um, and just started researching and doing stuff, but the real, 
the first time that I actually got a real push into Te Aupuro was when um, I met Warren down at Fitere Politic. Was, um, our, our tutor was um, James Molnar and Warren's his cousin. So he brought Warren, Warren Walbrick into um, to Wananga with us. And <laughs> I cracked up the first time I saw the bro, he rocked up with, with an English red coat on and you know, Hiru in his hair and the, the, the style, the, the swag mm. of the man. Um, but yeah, the Mihia Tuanaki Warren, he did a, a lot of guiding in, in, uh, of a lot of us in the first section. So, Mihia Tukatika. You know, I understand you're a bit of an IT man as well and <laughs> dabbled in Whakairo and yeah. putting your hand to Tāmoko now. So, and a, a real advocate for Te Reo Māori, Motiatia, Karakia, Eranga Mea. Maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, your um, specialties and, mm. you know, what it is that really sort of. Um, it turns you on relative to <laughs> Tongapuro. As you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a carver, wood, stone and bone. And you started um, the last six months of stone, been been working on muko. In the last couple of days, I've been doing a couple of pieces, which has been awesome. But yeah, my my love is Futea Māori. And that was, that was something that really took me a long time to find. I grew up in, in Takapuahia and Purirua, surrounded by highly religious Mormon whanau and it was a lot of you know, family home evenings and, and a lot of the practices of the Mormon church in Purirua that was that was the way we lived you know, where Koro was deep into the Mormon church and he was a composer of, of you know, and an arranger of their musics and we used to go up to Koro's place and sleep in the lounge me and my, my brothers and sister, we'd wake up to Kurupuho at um, you know, two o'clock in the morning doing compositions and arrangements on his baby grand piano. The music side of things, that's kind of where the, the, the passion started, was listening to Koro. He was the choir master for the New Zealand Māori Chorale. Yeah. And, you know, we used to, he used to go around judging Waitatira and Kapahaka and I used to follow him around. And So that side of the, the musical Waitatira uh, arrangement, the passion for that side of things kind of my papa my dad Callum, he's, um the majority of his life he fell deeply in love with sciences with the sciences um, and so that was his his pursuits and, and most of the things he did when we were kids he he was a he was, he was a TV repairman um, when, he, when we were young young so he used to leave old broken down TVs on the deck with a whole bunch of screwdrivers and stuff and just did a tutu with it and so that's where that's where I kind of um, you know, to nature came from, and I think that's really important for for, for carvers and for for toy is to have that kind of just have a crack at it kind of mentality, and see what you can come up with, and that's where that came from. But the carving, I just you know, like a duck to water, bro. As soon as I got my first chisel, I cut myself with it, which is you know, as we all do, and then started to learn to sharpen. And as soon as I started removing wood. For that first time, it was just like an obsession started and just the, that feeling that when you're shaping wood, you're addressing the problems that you find with the grain or that kind of thing that really, really resonates with me. Um, and I think that may be, you know, undiagnosed ADHD or, or whatever, you know, the, the attention span, like like many Māori kids go through in Aotearoa and trying to just struggle through, like a lot of artists that I know, the same. They find a, a soothing path through mahi toi. And so when I started with wood, that was, that was awesome. Started making putorino and trying to copy ones that I saw in the collections at Te Papa. Warren was a big influence on the making of putorino at that time. He see, you know, he he was adamant about don't make them pretty to start off with. Just just focus on the inside, focus on the, the form, the shape, focus on finding the oro. And so for the first five years of, of making putorino, I left them completely blank. 
just experimenting and playing with little differences and changing the way that I approached the inside of the putorino and how it kind of changed the way that the putorino can sing. And then I'll, you know, after after years and years on wood, I had my first crack at bone and I fell in love with that too. Down the rabbit hole again. <laughs> down, down, down another rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're down to the... Went down to the local butchers and got some, you know, I got a box of cannon bones for 50 <laughs> bucks and you know, prepared them up and got a $200 machine off eBay to have a crack at it. And eBay, eh? Back in the day when eBay was around, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Showing your age to your bro. <laughs> it, was, it was out of it. So I got a, got a little, little, like a um, little micro motor machine, 45,000 RPMs, and I ordered on eBay 200 bucks <laughs> from wherever in, in Asia to my door. And I've made at least 100 bone tango with it in the years that I've had it. So, you know, and then messing with those, then you all oh, 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 get some diamond bits, burrs and stuff and start playing around with stone and bark here and I'm just setting up the water system so, and run the diamond gear for, for bone amu. Another rabbit hole. Burrowing <laughs> now, you're burrowing, bro. Just yeah. Conjoining <laughs> all the rabbit holes up together, right? Yeah, well, that, you know, that's the thing and, and, and coming back to my original corridor, the all of these things that, that I've fallen in love with over the years, they all come back to the one common denominator, and that is my love for Te Ao Māori. During this time of learning to carve and learning to, you know, to find ngā koroma, the biggest struggle for me actually was to, to find my deal. Well, I didn't grow up with the deal. I, I grew up understanding the deal, but not speaking it, because... <laughs> There's the growlers in Te Reo Māori, so we knew yeah. what that meant. <laughs> but yeah, finding, finding my deal, that's been a struggle. And because of that struggle, my love and my passion for it has really, really deepened. Yeah, let's just have a chat about that too, because, you know, a lot of us Māori, eh, myself included, mm. not brought up with the reo and all that, but being gifted these skills and tools to create and make tonga Māori and all that and... Yeah, just come up th- with those barriers, eh, relative to mm. the real, because the real, it's all the coding, eh, in the real. Mm. Yeah. And for myself, you know, that's been one of my biggest journey along with, you know, finding my superpowers relative to carving and my skills as a, as a craftsperson. Yeah, it's been one of my biggest journeys, but I know talking to a lot of people in Tao Māori and Tonga Pūoro, that is... You know, quite a big struggle, eh? So, um, mm, absolutely. You know, how did you find your voice? Or yeah, I got chucked in the deep end. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people hear me speak these days, and they see me, you know, um, leading our cultural practices and they took karakia, you know, motetea and haka on composition, all that stuff. And a lot of people assume that you know I was born and bred native speaker, and that's absolutely not true. You know, I struggled my Ass off to learn the deal, and it's really hard, especially for for people like me who are, you know, one of the things I remember from being a kid is being told that I was gonna, I was only going to be good for to be a road worker, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's the stuff that it, it sticks with you, um, and you doubt yourself, and and you know when I when I first started into deal, it was I was really scared of it, eh, <laughs> because you know I had this, you know, people on the, on the outside looking in, they were like they had this perception of this fella that should be able to do these things, and that just used to freak me out when I had to do it. And basically I started learning because I was in a position of, of leadership and I needed to you know, get up and speak on behalf of a group of people. And the couple of times that I did it, I was just so embarrassed with how how poorly I, I you know, tutuki that kaupapa 
that lit a fire in me. You know, because when you're, that's, it's a whole different story when you're a manga, when you're a waha for a group of people. You're not speaking for yourself. You're not representing yourself. You're representing the people. And I was so embarrassed at one of my performances in, in the Whaikorero one time that I was just determined that that would never happen again. And, and from that from that point on, and that was about 15 years ago too, that, that point on I was, um, you know, you know, go and just pay two paihinga, get it done. That's one of the really controversial things about te reo Māori these days is a lot of people talk about the barriers in, in learning te reo, um, you know, the intergenerational traumas and the barriers from colonization, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, you know, to, to be honest, it kind of like makes me a little bit angry. These days, in, in, in modern uh, society in Aotearoa, it has never been easier to learn te reo Māori. There's so much love and passion for it at the moment with with the Reo, Reo champions that have been putting in the hard yards and providing opportunities for people to learn te reo. Learning to speak te reo Māori is a choice in these modern times. And that's something that from, for me personally, when I made that choice to pai tu pai hinga, kia uki te reo a kui mā that was the choice that I made. And come hello high water, I was learning. Our kui and koroa, they used to get beaten for speaking te reo. There's a very very different society where yeah. I encourage anyone who's umming and erring about te reo Māori is just to sink into it, become one with it. It's a, such, such a beautiful thing that once you start learning the reo, then you get mm. encompassed in the culture and in the culture and the relationships with people. And Yeah. I found when I was, because I went through Ātārangi, sort of back in the day when I was in Waikato, and, mm. um, you know, I felt that, you know, it was more than just a, a language for communications. It was like a healing it was a mm. healing journey, eh? It's sort of like yeah. you go into it, it's fuck a mouth like yourself, you know, just mm. still consider myself a little bit like that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've learned enough to carry myself and hold myself in different situations. And um, But, you know, you can always keep elevating yourself for sure um, yeah, in relationship to the journey of learning the real. And like mm-hmm. you too, bro, yeah, I encourage people to apply themselves because there's always heaps of excuses for why you can't or you, mm. but you've just got to find all the reasons for why you can. Yeah. One of my karaua is to say you can have excuses or results, not both. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, bro. <laughs> that always can't wait. Sounds like a very wise man there. <laughs> <laughs> With an understanding of te reo comes a lot of the mātauranga that we can apply to tangapuro. Like sometimes when I describe our cultural practices, you know, there, there, there are scientific processes that are disguised as uh, cultural practices. You know, when we, when we get into um, te karakia and you start talking about, you know, one of the karakia for whakairo, tēnei taku toki ko te toki nui, ko te toki rua, ko te toki tūhaha, tēnei taku toki whakakoia hine toa huanga i hangai tia ki ngā whatua pautini. You know, there's everything that you need to know about the toki for carving is in this karakia. As I, uh, I hangai tia ki ngā whatua pautini talks about being made from the eyes of pautini, which in our kōrero and our pūrāko is the, the, the source of paunamu, you know, and paunamu and pākohe, so you know, the, the, the materials from then, you know, i, i whakakoia ki ngā uh, Kia Hinde Tua Huanga talks about the um, atua of sandstone and, and the shaping and the sharpening. I find with my passion for te reo Māori and haka mo te karakia, you find these little like snippets of brilliance, you know, when you start to understand them. Um, and they really, really do guide my approach and my practice to tāngapūro and to carving in, in general. 
But yeah, it's just, Te Reo Māori is just so beautiful. Get at it, Etaima. Get at it. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so with Te Reo, learning your Reo and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, I know you're quite passionate about Motiatia and Karakia. How does mm. that sort of equate to your practice as a Tonga Pūoro practitioner? Yeah, because Karakia, Motiatia and, um, and Haka, so that's, that's, that's one of my other great passions is the composition of these, of Karakia, Motiatia and Haka. One of the things that I've found really discouraging is how little there is about Tangapuro and our traditional mediums for the passing on of knowledge, like haka, motetea, karakia. Um, so I've, I've been searching for a long time. And there are there are snippets, there are little things here and there um, that, that I've found. And, you know, there may be some out there that, I'm, that I don't know if I'd, I'd love. I'd love to um, have a wānanga and kōrero. Anyone out there that's listening have any... Motetea and karakia, etc. About puro, um, <laughs> that's that's a wānanga for us to have. Me taima, but the, I've been searching for a long time, and I haven't found any substantial tanga puro matauranga that's held within karakia motetea. Those are the things that we amahiakui makoro mata to pass on the the matauranga that we capture and that we carry. It's in those those mediums, haka motetea karakia, that these things need to be carried on you know, to keep our traditions of of learning. I was Searching for a long time, hadn't found anything. And and the thing for me is, well, they're not there. By the time we started making them. Then it's when I decided it was the right time to, to start composing karakia, composing motetea, specifically to hold the, the matauranga of Taungapuro so that we can carry on this knowledge that we've struggled for, you know, for me about 20 years, for you more, and so, that we, so that the next generations don't have to fight to try and find it, yep. that it's there in our, in, in our, in our traditions, you know, we, we're teaching our young ones motetea, and in that motetea is talking all about hinero katauri and, and awatu, awatu. and my, my heart starts thumping when I, when I think about it, it sounds, it sounds amazing. <laughs> mm. No, that's cool, yes, I can hear your passion, bro, <laughs> for those that you know, may not understand karakia motiatia, maybe, you know, you can break down a little snippet of one of your compositions, so, you know, maybe oh, yeah. four, four lines or five lines or something, just to give people an insight how that sort of works and um, yeah, cool. how the mātauranga is conveyed within those um, karakia or motiatia meki. Yeah, good point. One of the things I love is sharing um, a little section of the this karakia auro that I, I composed for, for Puro. So the, the karaki itself is called Tute Manawaru, and it talks about the manawa, but not as in the heart, but manawa as in the breath. Um, and so the Tute Manawaru talks about the quivering breath, the, you know, the, the witty witty the jitters that you get when you're thinking about other people watching you play when you're a newbie. The full version is you know, it's quite long and it's quite complicated, but there's a, I think the fourth verse is a section that I've, pulled out frequently and whenever I have wānanga we, we print it out and we give it out on a little piece of paper a little piece of card this little section this little verse is one that I really really want people to this is my, this is my koha to te aupuoro you know <laughs> toha tu, you know <laughs> spread it out so that people that are on a journey into te aupuoro have something to comfort them when they they feel they need to kukarakia but don't have any ability to I'll just go through it quickly. Uh, Whakarungora tāne te tokorangi ki te whio whio rau katauri, ki te waiohine ki te oro ruarangi ki te kōkiri haimata. Whakarungora ki te hua ngunguru ki te hua ngongoro ki te ngu o toku ihu, haumie, huie, tāki e. 
it's short, which is what I really like about it. It's, it's really short, easy to learn. People have taught it to, have picked it up in a couple of hours and carry it on. But the reason I like this verse so much is because of actually how much mātauranga is jam-packed into it. Okay, so we'll, we'll just, I'll just break it down so that when we're reciting, when we're learning this karakia um, and we're reciting it, we understand what we're saying, which is really important to me. So whakarongora tāne te tohoragi, it's quite, quite straightforward. So we're talking to tāne māhuta, tāne, uh, tāne te waiora, tāne nuiārangi, one of his other names, tāne te tohoragi. Koia tēnai, toko toko waiorangi nui tuakene. So we're, we're talking to tāne, tāne māhuta and we're, we're, we're asking him to listen. Whakarongora tāne te tohoragi, ki te whio whio o raukatauri. In our traditions of tāunga pūro, our atua for Tongapuro and one of, one of the most prominent atua is, is Hinero Katauri. And we, we who follow this path are, are intimately joined and, and bound with Hinero Katauri. She's guided a lot of what we've done for a long time. And so we're talking, this section here, we're talking about Hinero Katauri who loved her Tongapuro so much that she made it her home. And the, the basis of that home is the inspiration for the Putorino. And so we're asking Tane to listen to his daughter the feel or okatori, and the feel feel is feel uh, feel is an old word that I found, and it's, it, it describes like a humming sound. So it's not like a actual singing; it's not like a playing. Um, it's a it's a soft, intimate hum. Um, so we're asking Tani to listen to to his daughter and listen to her her hum, and the imagery behind that, the reason why it's a hum and it's not listen to her sing, is because I find. It's in those really intimate moments that just you and your putorin or you or your kowowo or your nguru, and it's just the conversation between your breath and the tangapura. Those are the really special times. Not necessarily when you're standing up and playing in front of a whole bunch of people, but when you're finding a quiet time and you know in, in, on the beach and just just quietly expressing your oro. That's what that part there is about. Is about talking to Tane to listen to this quiet, intimate experience of his daughter, Hinero Katauri. Uh, the next line, um, ki te waiohine, ki te ororuarangi, ki te kōkiri haimata. Those, so those three lines, um, in my practice, there are three different voices that we play through the putorino. There are different variations and, you know, kei te raiui, kei te raiui, uh, kōrero. But in, in my practice, there are the three voices to the putorino. Uh, the first is um, te waiohine. And the song of Hinero Kotauri. And it's played through the uh, the puare, the, the top mouthpiece. Uh, the second, the Waiohine, the Oroduarangi. Oroduarangi is a, it's a, it's the name for uh, another one of our Tangapuro, but one of the um, reservations that I had personally about the, the naming of these reo um, when I was growing up, and I was no, not growing up, when I was learning Te Reo Māori, and then I applied what I learned from Te Reo Māori to the Tangapuro space was uh, the naming of the reo of the Putorino. And one of the names was um, that I kept on hearing, kept on hearing was Te Reo Te Whanau, which was played through the, the, the middle section, the middle mangai of the Putorino. And I, I really didn't think that was an appropriate name. I think it was a overly simplified cop-out, to be honest, because it, Te Reo Māori is, is capable of, of explaining things in such a deep and meaningful way that I thought that this lacked substance, Te Reo Te Whanau. And so the, we had a, had a wānanga with a few of my, my homies here and the upokoteika, just throwing ideas around. Um, and we applied the name Oroduarangi. Now, when you break it down, I think the Oroduarangi is really appropriate for, for that voice. And because the Oroduarangi talks about the Orodua, these two different oro that come from two different 
sources and join to become one. And I think that's really, really important for us to, to think about because, you know, Te Reo Te Whanau talks about the, the voice of the family, which is descriptive enough when you translate it to English. But when you talk about, you know, uh, these two different sources of oro, the masculine and the feminine, and joining those two together, and kaputamai, tamariki mokopuna, you know, those are the, the oro ruarangi, these two oro from sort of two different sources joining together to become one. It's a much more beautiful way of, an in-depth way of explaining the cultural philosophy behind that reo, that call, that voice. And the third voice of the Pūtōrino in my practice is the, there's another one I, I um, had, a, had a think about the names because I, I didn't think it matched either. The common term for it was te reo te tāne, the call of the, of the male, the masculine. Um, again, I thought that was shallow. And so again, we had a, had a wānanga, we started talking about what, how could we describe this voice? And the voice of, um, uh, that I'm referring to is the, the trumpeting voice. It's, uh, so you play the putorino like you're playing a putatara, pumuana, pukapaka, and it's a natural wooden trumpeting sound. And for me, when I think about that sound, it's about balancing out the graceful feminism of Hinero Kataudi. Know, for me personally, te ao Māori is all about balance. There is no one energy that is above and beyond the other. It's all about finding equilibrium, finding balance. And so on one side we have the divine feminine, we have Hinero Kataori and her song and her, and her hum that we're talking about. And on the other side we have to balance that graceful femininity with the masculinity because in te ao Māori, those two walk hand in hand and side by side. So I came up with this term, though, the kōkiri haimata. Kōkiri haimata. And the kōkiri haimata refers to an, a, a vigorous movement, a vigorous expression. And one of the things I loved about our old kuia and uh, you know, the, the pre-colonial motetia is that they, they didn't mince their words when they wanted to talk about stuff in the way that they viewed the world, they did. Um, you know, we talk about the uretare one and uh, all these things and we're um, talking about a genitalia, etc. It's only now that, you know, in modern westernized society that's kind of inappropriate so I, I love it sense, sense day, yeah sense you know the, 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 mission, the missionaries heard us talking about um, you know, genitals and blah 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 like, and they didn't like it so you know, but I, I really I really do like that um, the, the vulgar expression at times um, but the kōkiri haimata is a vulgar it's, it's, it's almost got vulgar connotations of a, a male thrust the, the masculine thrusting, which is balanced out by the graceful femininity of Hindi Rokatauri. So it's those two different sources of oro, the male, the female, the masculine, the feminine, and those two oro joining together to become one. And you know, that's only three lines yeah. in the karakia. Yeah. The, the three different names for um, the, the wayo hine, the oro ruarangi, te kōkiri haimata. But there's a lot, a lot of matauranga behind it. And this is what really gets me excited about composition of these types of taonga fua mokopuna is that we can compose things like this, but if we don't sit down with them and get them to understand it, you know, then momo wa. So, whakarongo rā tāne te tokorangi ki te whio whio rau katauri, ki te wai o hine, ki te oro nuarangi, ki te kōkiri haimata. Okay, next part, whakarongo rā ki te hua ngunguru, ki te hua ngongoro. In my research, I came across a, a term for, for sound 
<laughs> now I'm not talking about shoes. So the the who the who onunguru. So who is a is a term for um it's a term the old term that I used in in the context that I found it in. I believe it it, it was referring to sound. So te hua ngunguru, te hua ngunguru is talking about the sounds of the ngunguru, of the ngunguru, which are sounds associated with the sounds of the nose. One of the things that I, I really like to pass on to any, to tawira when we, when we wānanga this karakia is that we start talking about why the, the nose is so important to us. Um, you know, why do we hungi? And why do we play certain taonga puoro through the nose and not with the mouth? This pays homage, this section, these two lines draw the emphasis onto understanding the breath of the nose. And because when we think about the breath of the nose, we think about things, the playing things with the nose, we start to think about why. And the thing that we have to think about is the states of tapu and noa. And this is one thing that I really, really try to push for, push home to any tawira that we wānanga with, is when you're thinking about playing taungapuro and navigating between tapu and noa and the mahi that we're doing. A lot of people just pick them up and just jam them these days. But there is a, a tikanga, there is a, a way of approaching taungapuro that definitely encompasses the realms of tapu and noa. Now, the breath with the mouth, how we play a lot of things, how we took a karanga, karakia, pao, all those other things, it's quite hard to navigate sometimes because of how frequently it's, it comes into contact with food. And to learn to our Māori, food is a way to whakanoa. And so when we, when we took a karakia and we go into a state, our tohunga, they couldn't touch food. Food was given directly into their mouths, um, etc. In our modern modern societies, it becomes, our food is such a free and available thing that the breath in, of the mouth, the mouth is always moving between tapu and noa, tapu and noa. But not just because of food, but because of being humans, being awanga wanga and fafai and, you know, just being a dick and, you know, <laughs> change, change. change. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't yeah, be a dick. change the way that, our, um, that the tapu and our, our waha. To completely bypass that trouble between going between tapu and noa, we move directly to the breath of the nose, which is always tapu. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come into contact with kai. Well, unless, you know, e tahi o, e tahi o rātou i kainga, e tahi taru-taru ki, ki ngā niho, uh, ki ngā, ki ngā punga iho. <laughs> Engari, um, the majority of the time we can d- directly bypass that tapu and noa state through the mouth and go directly to the nose, which is why we play the the, the punga iho, the hue punga iho, the kuaua punga iho with the nose. It is always tapu. So this te hua ngunguru, te hua ngunguru, pays tribute to that um, cultural philosophy, that the breath of the nose is tapu always. The breath of the mouth is is changing between those states, so you have to manage it. So whakarongorā tāne te tokorangi ki te whewhewa rau ka tauri, ki te waiwa hine ki te ororuarangi ki te kōki di haimata, whakarongorā ki te hua ngunguru, ki te hua ngongoro, ki te ngū o tōku ihu, haumia huia tāiki e. That line there was... Uh, I pinched it off Papa Hirini because he, he, he used to use it quite a lot. And that's uh, almost like a tribute to Papa Hirini to, you know, to keep his, his kōrero alive in my work. In modern te reo Māori, we, we, ref- we think of kia ngū, kia wahangu, to be silent. But in my, in my perusings of my thoughts and my whakaro, um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's the, to, to be ngū is a different type of sound, is a different type of oro. It's not just the lack of it. You know, um, so to sit in to sit in a, in in, a, in, a, in ngu is not necessarily to be completely silent. It, you know, just a variation of the oro. So yeah, so that, that, that's a, 
a little section of the Karakiaoro to Te Manawaru that I composed for Tango Puro. Mm-hmm. And it's my gift to Te Aupuro. Take it, learn it, share it. But with the words comes the whakamarama. Please, if you're going to learn it, please make sure that you understand, you know, the whakamarama that we just went through. Yeah, do your rangahauai, you know, like, mm. you know, get the kupu, learn that, and do your own rangahau too, relative to what's been given and shared. Yeah, harder. There's a couple of things that come out of that for me was, you know, when you're talking about those voices, you know, when you look at the ecology and the cycles of the the moth itself mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, you talk about the masculine and the feminine, you know, and, you know, what happens to the tāne after he's, you know, mm. gifted his tonga, you know. He gets <laughs> consumed and pulled into the pulled into the um, the whare tūngaunga eh, as kai yeah. for future generations. So, mm. and the other one, um, I think Rangir is one of and Libby's corridors about the ihu and the and the waha. You know, and they talk about how the ihu's tapu and the breath sort of gnaw. But because you can mm. talk smack out of your mouth, but you can't out of your nose. <laughs> yeah, so, you yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just allows that um, breath to flow. Mm. Awesome, bro! Thanks for sharing that insight and that uh, and that koha for the listeners. What are your sort of dreams and aspirations relative to where you're at with um, Tonga Pool today? Because you know we've been listening to a few podcasts um, from our first series, and yeah, you know it's been quite interesting for me because it's just brought up heaps of different kaupapa that I've been exposed to over the years mm. and, you know, made me question my own practices from like, you know, because I've been at it over 30 years or so, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, where I've come from and where I am today and those some of those questions that have arisen and just triggered, you know, for myself as a practitioner over the years. But, you know, to me, too, that's all just about the growth and the learning, you know, everything evolves and, um, you know, what was prevalent yesterday may not be for tomorrow. So, yeah, so where, where are you at with that sort of corridor? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the things I've been a little bit worried about lately is how quickly Te Aupuro is growing. Here in Te Upokotaika, we have a thriving Tangapuro community. There's, there's heaps of us down here. Yeah, we're a bit jelly about that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of lots of tuakana um, down here, lots of tuakana and tāne mai, wahine mai, lots of tawira, and it's really thriving. One of the things I'm a little bit worried about is how quickly things are moving. Because, you know, when you get excited about something and you, and you just want to you know, get into it and pump into it and and you don't really take the time to, to, to look at what's actually happening. One of the things I'm worried about is the way that some of our Tangapuro tikanga is being merged with tikanga from other tangata whenua around the, around the world. This one fellow was having a jam, which is cool, had a jam, and then he grabbed one of the Native American drone flutes mm-hmm. and was trying to, you know, was passing the oro off as oro Māori. Um, and for me, that's not right. And so one of the things I'm really, really keen for us to do while we're capturing this momentum that we've got is to take the time to think about and to acknowledge what's happening with, with the poor and that we do things firmly rooted in tikanga, tikanga Māori. The further I go in this journey, further down this rabbit hole I go as a carver, the more vocal I become about 
how people are making tangapuru. That for me is a big thing too. All of us who who make cool stuff, we have influences from other people that we've seen do things. And one of the things that's important for me is that we acknowledge that the things that we're making still need to be Māori. They need to be trenched in tikanga and they need to be... I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I feel like a bit of a dick because I'm like, bro, what are you up to? But the more I go into this journey, the more I, I find it's a responsibility for people like us to say something. A couple of examples of of poor or being made from different mediums, and that's cool, as long as it's acknowledged that our tikanga does not include those mediums. One of the things I had accorded with my koro about when I first started carving was because I was a hand tool man. I was like, you know, nah, no, no power tools, no machines, no nothing. You know, if you can't do it with your hands, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> and I was having a yarn with my koro about it. <laughs> and he reckons, boy, you think our tupuna was so stupid they wouldn't have used a better tool if they had it? Mm. It was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> so was that the other koro, um, yeah. excuses or results, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can have excuses or results, not both. I'm all for adaptation and movement and innovation, but I, I really, really feel deep in my puku that we need to make sure that everything that we do is based in our tikanga. You know, it's not just for innovation for innovation's sake. Yeah, having said that, I do use lots of different <laughs> fancy-ass tools to make stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've just got, just got a new machine, an 80,000 RPM micrometer thing, and it's awesome. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's taking 10,000-year-old cave paintings and putting them on tanga. Yeah, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. There's a, there's a reason that Mahitoi has developed and evolved into what it is. And now our tikanga, now our tupuna um, showed us the way. Awesome. Wow, man. That sounds cool. <laughs> Thanks for your yeah. insights. Um, yeah, it's a lot of food for thought, eh? Like, hmm. yeah, especially you know, moving forward and just questioning our practices. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for us, bro. You know, be, one of the main things that I always talk to Tobito about is why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. Why are you doing it? Why? You don't have to have an answer. You just I think it's just you just have to ask the question. Kodotaku. Mm. I'm really excited about some of the stuff that's happening, eh? Like really excited. There's so much good stuff happening with with Tawira at the moment. And Tawira of ours, like you know, in, in um Tupukoteika, like myself and Al, Al Fraser and Sam and Kahu and Kali and Ruby, all the crew that are down here, our students are starting to step up to be Tuakana for others as well, which is really cool. One of the things I'm really, really ex- excited about is arming my Tawira, our Tawira, with tools to teach Matauranga Māori that is important to me and important to us. So starting off with the karakia, the karakia oro. Yeah, there's only a couple of people that I taught the full thing to, but the little part, tukwakiarere. But the thing I'm, I'm excited about as well is motetea. The motetea is a tradition that kind of gets looked over when it comes to, to puro because puro practitioners are usually playing and then usually not rewa waha. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really, really excited to capture the things that I've learned about Taonga Puro in Pātere. You know, and then I know those are the, the Pātere that, that you compose and there's, um, man, there's, I think there's another another tool that... Needs to be, yeah, needs to be taught, yeah, distributed. But yeah, there are there are other things that, are, that I really want to encapsulate to put in motete and karakia form and teach those so that the focus is the oro side of things, the musical side of things, but also the tikanga side of things. 
and they, they walk hand in hand always. That's really exciting to me. I'd, I'd love to see our kura kids doing a, a, a pātere about hinero katauri in hinero putewe so that they capture those mātauranga and they carry it on. Maybe in closing, could share a little bit of puoro for us and, you know, words of wisdom or <laughs> uh, that you could share with our... I know you've shared heaps of words of wisdom, but just in closing and then, um, yeah, we'll just... Kua, mm. One thing that I really want people to, to, to think about is why do we call them instruments? Do we call them instruments because they, they make a sound that we perceive to be music? You know, why do we need to categorize our taonga and describe them based on a completely different musical system that was brought here with Tawiwi? For me, taonga puro aren't instruments because the oro that they produce isn't music. For me, it's oro. If it works with you to call them instruments and you're practicing, get the boy. I just encourage the wānanga. Oh, yeah. Wānanga is my happy space. Mm. Wānanga is, you know, my love is in wānanga and the whakawhiti whakaaro. Mm. And to, have, to throw different ideas around. I think you can't really be wrong in the way that you practice as long as you're rooted in atikanga, in te ao Māori. And for me, that starts with te reo now because I absolutely love and adore te reo Māori. Yeah, 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 Kōrua Ko <laughs>
Ta 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 